All right, guys, the draft is over. The Minnesota Vikings officially won this thing. 15 picks, a bunch of good ones, people all around the country talking about this draft. And our neighbors next door, the Green Bay Packers, made an embarrassment out of themselves. Things can't get better. Here we go, Nord East Sportscast. And here we go, Nord East Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. I'm feeling great, man. How are you? I'm feeling great after the Minnesota Vikings draft, where they drafted a team record 15 players uh, in the most recent draft, including two guys in the first round, four guys overall on the first day. And uh, the consensus uh, thought about the Vikings draft is that they had the best draft of any team in the league. It turns out volume kind of matters. Yeah, volume does matter, but also the picks that they did have, they made the most out of, especially in the first four rounds of the draft. So we'll get into that a lot more as we go in this episode. But before we do that, we need you guys to give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Podcast. Also, subscribe on Podbean, the podcast app, and Spotify, and get the Nordeast Podcast directly to your phone each and every day week and give us five stars please you're stuck at home you don't have enough to do you're looking for things to do you're sitting on your phone all day every day give us five stars give us that review that we need and help spread the word about the northeast podcast tell some friends that are quarantining who are social distancing we're doing things on their own and uh introduce them to your favorite podcast the northeast podcast hell yeah Mm -hmm. that's my favorite part of the show by the way guys you are excellent at it. No, no, no. It's it's when I turn it over to you guys after that, and you guys always just say something like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then quit, Zero turning it over. quit turning it over to us. We, yeah. you're, you're like on a roll, and then you're like, throw it to Jim and Ryan, and we're like, oh, mid-sip of our beer. <laughs> yeah, we have nothing to add. You nail it. No, no, that's the best part. That's why I send it to you guys, because you just say, yep, do it. Yep, nice. <laughs> right on. All right, guys, so uh, we're drinking our own beers today, just like we have been. What are you guys drinking tonight? I'll go first because I have a super boring beer. I have a Deschutes Obsidian Stout, and that's all I'm going to say. Okay. I have a a 56 Brewing. Um, It's like a Berry Bramble, and it's a sour. It's a double sour. It's good. It's got blackberries, raspberries, lemon, kind of like a little bit hazy sour tasty it's fucking beautiful looking bright pink i am drinking a hard hat guy kind of beer all right Ooh, i'm drinking, i'm drinking black stacks uh spare parts it's a hundred percent pure beer it says on the front of it yeah it's a, it's a dark lager it is a really simple cheap beer from black stack it's uh I don't know. I don't even know how they describe it. They don't even have a description. It just says dark lager and 100% pure beer on it. So um, it's really dark. It's pretty drinkable. It's a man's beer, and that's the kind of beer I needed to watch and talk about the NFL draft. Did you bring your uh, lunch pail and hard hat with the beer? I have my hard hat on every time I drink this beer and watch the NFL draft at the same time. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, Yeah, guys, so uh, before we dive into some sports talk, And before we dive into these beers, 
we need uh, you guys to go also go back and check out our first podcast from this week where we told you all the shows that you guys should be watching, all the movies you should be checking out. And uh, we did another edition of The Metal Stand. This time we talked all about the greatest weapons in movie history. That was fun. That was fun. That was a great topic. Good work, Eric. All right, guys. So let's dive into some sports talk today. Um, first up, the Bucks are adding a lot of talent. They already added Tom Brady, and now they added his good buddy Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, uh, who is working in the WWE, is now going to be working as a tight end for the Bucks this year. What do you guys think about this move? I don't know. Bunch of washed-up uh, dudes. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought that that Gronk retired. Did he not retire? He did retire, yes. So that got him out of a contract? Then how was he then traded by the Patriots if he was retired? Wouldn't it be signing you were, a free agent? If you retire, you you can't just retire and then go to someone else as a free agent. Otherwise, guys would just retire yeah. for a little bit and then go to like whatever. say clean and then, right. So if he were to come back, he had to come back for the Patriots, so they traded him. Yep, so the Patriots didn't have the money for him even, and he didn't want to play there, and they knew that. So he, the Patriots pretty much got a free draft pick for Rob Gronkowski. Okay. It'll be interesting to see, like, it, I mean, a little bit of the Jason Witten corollary, right, of I need to retire because uh, my body can't take it anymore. You take a year off, and then all of a sudden you start feeling good again, and you're going to try and, you know, get back out in the field. So. Will he be the Gronk that he was in New England um, under that sort of Josh McDaniels offense, or will it be a different version of him where um, he's asked to do too much considering uh, all the miles that are on him and his body? So um, I think it'll be interesting. I I don't foresee this being like a, a, a you know a LeBron grabbing all his buddies and going to South Beach, uh, taking all their talents to South Beach, uh, but I think it's still kind of a – fun, compelling storyline as far as the NFL goes. Yeah, and as a local storyline, uh, the Bucks didn't just add Rob Gronkowski, but they also drafted safety Antoine Winfield Jr. from the Minnesota Golden Gophers and wide receiver Tyler Johnson from the Golden Gophers as well. So some Minnesota guys both heading down to play with Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How happy are they to get out of Minnesota winters? Happy, but... Um, Minnesota fans were bummed to see them go. I think yeah. we were all kind of hoping that we would end up with one of those guys. Me too. Yep, I was. I was hoping for either one of those guys. And But, yeah, they got to be psyched. I mean, they're going down to, to South Beach together. They know somebody on the team. And they get to play with Tom Brady. It's kind of kind of perfect. And no state taxes. There, yes, exactly. Yeah, make a little extra money that way. So, yeah, that's some fun stuff right there. Um, so let's dive right into it, guys. We got a lot of talk about the NFL draft. Um, the Minnesota Vikings, like I said, not every single um, person thought that they had the best draft, but collectively, um, if you went through like the top 20 people and averaged out the grades, um, the Vikings uh, had the best grades of any team in the NFL draft that way. So that's really exciting. That's so awesome. It all started on Thursday night um, with the 22nd pick in the draft, um, which they received as part of the Stefan Diggs trade. And they did their best to it to uh, attempt to um, uh, replace Stephon Diggs by going with uh, wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Um, he was the fourth-ranked receiver in the draft. ESPN had him as their 14th overall player. And uh, you know, if he would have been a, in 
one of the last three drafts. He might have been the first overall receiver taken in any of those drafts. So shows you a little bit about how strong this draft was for receivers. And uh, he's another one of them. I believe he was the second youngest receiver in the draft. And he led the nation in catches last year and was second in the nation in touchdowns. So um, people seem to be really excited about this pick. Um, the one thing I will say is he kind of mirrors the skills of Adam Thielen a little bit. Um, so he's probably more of a Thielen than a Diggs. And so you're a little redundant with those guys, um, but you have to find guys. He was definitely the best player available, especially at wide receiver, a place of need. So it's an exciting pickup for the Vikings. He's going to wear number 18 next year. So go out and get your Justin Jefferson jerseys. So a couple things I like about him. Um, like you said, the, you know, the, the catches was, is kind of a big deal. That means, uh, Joe Burrow, who was the number one overall pick, trusted him enough to throw them, throw him the ball in big situations. Um, the second thing is he's kind of, if you follow him on social media, uh, especially on Instagram, he talks a lot about like his family's support system and having the right people around him. I think that's a huge uh, key for, you know, like you said, young players coming into a position where they're going to make, you know, massive amounts of money and have a chance to make bad decisions or good decisions. Um, so I like that aspect. And then thirdly, I also like the fact that he has played in the biggest games in college football. He played in the SEC. So he was playing very big games week in and week out. And then they won a national championship where, you know, he was a massive part of that um, in in their big win. So um, I think you're getting pedigree across the board and you're getting a kid with a good head on his shoulder. So I think it's a it's a really good pick. Yeah, I agree. He's going to be a really nice player. Um, he did have 100 out of his 111 catches from the slot last year, which means um, a place where Adam Thielen has kind of thrived in the last few years in the slot is also where he wants to play. And the Vikings play 12 personnel, 21 personnel, 22 personnel, meaning lots of running backs, fullbacks, and tight ends on the field, meaning a lot of times there's only two receivers on the field. Both those guys can't play in the slot. So they're going to have to experiment a little bit with where they move these guys. Um, but, you know, that's a good problem to have. And so expect Justin Jefferson to have a lot of catches year one from Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I think. And then if you look at Cousins and Joe Burrow, their games are kind of similar. I mean, pocket passers with really good arms. I, I don't see any reason why Justin Jefferson can't have a very fantastic rookie season. Um, so next up, you had a trade down. So the Vikings were there at 25. Um, people thought they were going to go offensive tackle or cornerback, and they traded down to get an extra fourth and an extra fifth round pick from the San Francisco 49ers. They moved down to 31 where they took cornerback Jeff Gladney from TCU. Um, I wasn't overly excited about this pick because I thought you could get him in the second round. And he's also, um, you know, 23 and a half years old. So he's a little older um, than some of the guys. He has a knee injury he's coming off of. Um, he was the fourth-ranked corner on ESPN's board, 43rd overall player, and we took him at 31. So a little bit of a reach in that way. Um, but this one is all about scheme. So um, the Vikings like to play um, split safety quarters defense. So meaning that their defense each takes – or their D-backs, their two safeties and their outside corners, each take um, a quarter, a fourth of the field. Um, he's also really physical and can play the outside in press coverage um, that Mike Zimmer likes. And so this was more of a scheme fit than it was a best player available. And so he's probably more valuable to the Vikings than he would be to a different team. 
So in that way, I think it's a pretty good pick. Yeah, agreed. I I, I don't know. I mean, to sit here and pretend like I watch Jeff Gladney on film would be disingenuous to anyone who's listening. Um, but I think from the Zimmer as the cornerback whisperer in in his acumen to evaluate that type of talent i trust and i'll just leave it at that day two they uh there was rumors all day that they were going to move up in the draft to get a guy that they wanted we all knew they needed someone on the offensive line we all knew they liked ezra cleveland from boise state and they waited and they waited and they waited and they waited and they took him with the what 58th pick in the draft 26th pick in the second round He's the fifth overall tackle uh, on ESPN's board. He was the 22nd overall player on ESPN's board. We took him at 58, so a definite steal there. He should slide into left tackle, moving Riley Reef if he's on the team, to a guard spot. So um, that was a good pick in the second round for a team that desperately needed some offensive line help. And they ended day two with Cameron Dantzler. Um, they took him um, late in the third round. 89th. Um, he is... Uh, the 12th-ranked cornerback, they had him the 96th overall player. Cam Dantzler is 6'2", 188 pounds. He's super, super, super skinny. I read on PFF that if he, if they could guarantee he'd put on 15 pounds of muscle, they would have had him as cornerback number two in this class. So just him being slight is the only real worry about him. If they can beef him up a little bit, this could be a real steal in this draft for a team that needed some cornerback play. So that's how he... Go ahead. The, 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 I was going to say, the size doesn't bother me so much more than like the physical attributes, right? If you're able to play, like we don't need corners that are going to come up and stick running backs all the time. Like Trey, Trey Wayans wasn't that big of a, a, a corner, especially coming out of Michigan State. Um, I, I'm, I'm more concerned about like his ability to play the ball his ability to understand scheme. So if those are all A grades and then the only like C minus grade he has is his weight, uh, you can do things about that. So I'm, I'm totally fine with this pick. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, he ran very slow at the combine. Um, he was like a four, five, eight. So that really dropped him from being like a first round kind of guy to a third round kind of guy. Um, but I believe Zimmer can get the most out of him. Um, then they traded out of the third round getting, the Saints' fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks. So the Saints traded the rest of their draft for um, the second, third round pick that we had. And then on uh, day three, they started which out. Is, on, which is, let's just, that's kind of insane, by the way. It's insane. It's crazy to do that. They traded the remaining parts of their draft for a third round pick. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the Vikings on day three started with three fourth round picks. Actually, I think they had four fourth-round picks. Yeah, four. Um, they traded back with one. Um, the other three, they took DJ Wanham, a defensive end from South Carolina. People compare him unfairly to Daniel Hunter, but a very athletic end. Um, they took James. Did you, did you see some of his highlights? Yeah, no, no. He looks like he could be really good. He's gonna he kind of like plays like a monster. Like he he gets into the backfield quite a bit. And I know this is college, but man, the guy kind of gets after it. I like his motor. Um, James Lynch was a pick a lot of people really liked. Um, he was a defensive end slash defensive tackle, kind of a three technique interior pass rusher. He was an all American, the big 12 player of the year last year, defensive player of the year. Um, he is a guy who I think they like his versatility. 
And that was a big theme on defense for me, was guys who could play multiple positions on day two. Um, DJ Wanham was kind of a stand-up defensive end slash D-end, kind of a 3-4-4-3 guy. James Lynch is kind of a D-end, D-tackle kind of guy. And then the last pick in the fourth round that they had, they took um, linebacker Troy Dye, who is kind of an undersized pass coverage linebacker who played both safety and linebacker in college and was kind of a tackling machine. So a lot of um, ability to kind of um, have some flexibility and be a little positionless with some of these guys on the field, which I think they were looking to do. Which is, it's mostly in, incredible. Like I think the the Lynch and the die picks were really kind of uh, lucky that those guys were still available. It's, I mean, even if you get a guy from like the Mac who is their defensive player of the year because he had so many sacks and so many tackles, I think you've fallen on to, uh, you know, a little bit of luck there. So um, it's not like Baylor is in a, a terrible conference, right? I mean, uh, it's still all D1 players and they're all big. He looks a little bit slow. They were undefeated but, late in the year. But he's humongous and is an absolute wrecker of weak tackles. So if they can move him around a little bit, I see I see big things for, for James Lynch. So they took two guys in the fifth, two in the sixth, and two in the seventh, or four in the seventh to wrap up this class. We're not going to go guy by guy. Um, but overall, a really deep and good class for the Vikings. Um, Can I call out two guys real quick? Yeah. So I think everyone was questioning the the KJ Osborne pick, uh, wide receiver from Miami. Um, when we first saw him, we were like, they don't even have a scouting report on him. Like, there's nothing. And then eventually they dug up some highlights. And I think the real reason that they picked him was A, wide receiver depth, but then B, his punt returning and kick returning abilities. Um, if they're if the Vikings want Mike Hughes to really move into the role of full-time uh, corner and don't want him to get hurt, KJ Osborne is going to be our kick returner, punt returner moving into the next season. And then the second guy is Kenny Willekes. Um uh, defensive end from Michigan State. Um, I think this might be a little bit of a sleeper in the draft. The guy was a walk-on at Michigan State and then ended up being a, a captain by his senior year. Um, you love those guys that know what it takes um, to work from nothing and be able to earn that position and you know earn a scholarship uh, with with really no accolades coming in and, and it's purely based on effort and heart and skill. And I think these two guys uh, might be uh, pretty decent playmakers for us coming up in this, uh, the upcoming season, assuming that we play. And we talked about DJ Wanham in the fourth round, our first fourth round pick. He was 114th overall, the 13th ranked defensive end. Uh, Kenny Willekes or whatever was the 14th ranked the end and 115 overall. So they were like equal players. According to ESPN, we got both of them a couple rounds apart. So Overall, really good class for the Vikings, really deep class. It's fun to see them dominate the draft so much. And it's even more fun to watch as our next-door neighbors, the Green Bay Packers, completely Mm -hmm. fucked the draft up. They traded up in the draft to draft shaky-at-best quarterback Jordan Love from Utah State. A few people compared him to um, uh, Patrick Mahomes. And then uh, now every Packer fan is saying they have the next Patrick Mahomes. This dude was a mess at Utah State. 
if all things turn out, he could be a star. But how often do all things turn out for quarterbacks? It's just and it's, how often do guys who are a mess at Utah State turn out? <laughs> yeah, so that was a pretty shocking pick. Um, then they had a late second round pick where they took 250 pound running back AJ Dillon from Boston College. Um, maybe that's a good pick if they didn't already have Aaron Jones. Uh, who, led, <laughs> who is like 235 pounds. Who led the league in rushing touchdowns. Yeah. This guy will be a big, fat third running back on their team. And then uh, they finished Eric, up- you know, you know what teams are looking for these days is the next Jerome Bettis. Yeah. And then they finished <laughs> up third round with Josiah DeGara, a undersized tight end who people are saying would make a really good special teamer. Um, they you got to love that in your third round pick, that he's going to be a great special teams guy. They didn't have a fourth-round pick, so late in the fifth, they took Minnesota Gopher Kamal Martin uh, at linebacker, and then they took three straight um, offensive linemen, a safety, and a defensive end. They did not draft a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers, who was desperately calling out for a wide receiver. Not only did they draft Aaron Rodgers' backups, they also didn't draft him any help. This was a slap in the face to Aaron Rodgers. Let's get him out of town. Did you guys hear what... Well, Mike he Zimmer deserves better. This is crazy. What are they doing? Did you guys hear what Mike Zimmer said about this? No. Mm-hmm. They asked him uh, what he thought about them drafting Jordan Love, and Zimmer said, I think it's time that Aaron Rodgers retires. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, that's insane to me. And the consensus is that the Packers had the worst draft of everybody. I love it. So, I mean, it's not surprising. No, they, they were really a, a train wreck, and it was fun to watch. So I was worried about some of the people that they could have ended up with. I was really worried about them getting one of the top receivers. Um, going into the night, I really thought Justin Jefferson was going to end up a Packer, and it really had me worried. Um, instead, they did nothing to help them in the short term. And this was a team that was in the NFC Championship game last year. They were in the final four teams. They were a few pieces away from going to the Super Bowl. And they didn't really address anything that they needed to to try to make that better. So, um, and Especially, like you said, in a, in a wonky free agency year, it's not yeah. necessarily easy to, to pick up those pieces that you're looking for. Yeah, so I think it's, it's going to be fun to watch this. It's going to be weird. Um, a lot of veteran teams are going to do well, and the Vikings should be a pretty veteran team. Um, but hopefully a couple of these young guys can hop in. They definitely need Gladney and Dantzler to join Holton Hill and uh, Mike Hughes in solidifying that cornerback spot. They will need Justin Jefferson to catch a bunch of passes for them, and uh, they need Ezra Cleveland to step in and be that left tackle. If those first four guys can step in and contribute and the guys behind them can add depth to places like the defensive line, um, this could be a really important draft in making sure the Vikings continue to contend for a Super Bowl. So, Eric, before we wrap up the draft talk, was there anybody of the undrafted uh, free agents that stood out to you? No, no, there really wasn't. Um, not not a Holton. There's not a Holton Hill that you no, thought might. There wasn't any guy that we went out and got that was like a holy crap! I can't believe this guy didn't get drafted. Um. So Tyler Higby, David Moa, I think Brady Aiello. I think they they got the number two receiver. Um, so that's probably Courtney, D- Courtney Davis. Yeah, I think that was probably one of the ones that stood out to me a little bit more, just because 
Um, you know, even though they have Thielen and now Jefferson, they're still pretty shallow at real NFL talent um, at wide receiver. So that was probably one thing that stood out to me a little bit. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, they kind of took care of a lot of those picks with having 15 picks in the draft, really building that practice squad and some of that depth. So okay. do you think that it was good enough to grab an O-lineman in the second round? Is that what it was, their first pick of the second round? A lot of people thought that Ezra Cleveland was going to be a uh, first-round pick. Okay. A lot of people did, or at least an early second-round pick. Mm-hmm. And I think that when Josh Jones and Ezra Cleveland were both falling in the draft, the Vikings probably thought, like, as soon as one of them goes, we'll go, we'll go up for the other one. But neither of them went, and they were both there when they picked at 58. And so... They took the guy they liked, Ezra Cleveland. He's supposed to be like a like a, a second coming left side version of um, Brian O'Neill. So a guy who's athletic, not not a big, huge, strong mauler as much as he's a, a you know good footwork, you know fast, athletic, solid athletic. technique guy. Yep, like just a guy who's going to kind of out finesse your your D end. Yeah, and then I. You know, and then the other we we didn't take another lineman until pick two hundred three, and it was Blake Brandle from uh, Oregon State, and I actually don't hate the pick. The guy was a four year starter for a pretty big Pac twelve team, and the consensus on him is that he's going to fit better in the NFL as a guard than he would as a tackle. So I think that kind of addresses. Um, at least a little bit of the guard problem if he can if he can fall in line and at least at least add a little bit of versatility where he can play both positions. Hmm. All right, guys. So let's move on to some of the people who are trying to open up sports here. Um, you know, you hear a lot about how um, people need sports, and I do agree with that. Like we're really desperate for sports. It was the most watched NFL draft in the history of the draft because people were so desperate for some kind of new entertainment. So some of the ways that people are thinking about doing this are having teams live in quarantine, like coaching staffs, medical staffs, and uh, players living in quarantine and playing in empty stadiums where they don't get to see their families or anything like that. Um, When they have to decide between their salaries and um, seeing their families, I think quite a few of them might choose – the salary and living in isolation for a little while. Um, the NDA is going to try to do this in coming weeks. It sounds like with the players of the playoff teams moving to either LA or Las Vegas um, for a short time to finish up the season, um, maybe just the playoffs. What do you guys think about this idea? Is it something that we need to happen? First of all, I don't think that we need sports. We need anybody to be risking anything. It it would be awesome. Obviously we all miss it very much, but if they can do it safely, by all means do it. But I I mean, it's just sports. We'll be all right. I don't think that they're going to be risking anything. I think that they're going to be sacrificing seeing their loved ones. Right. I think that's the whole thing. It's just, they're going to be isolated with only other people that are in this that are going to be tested regularly and nobody's going to be positive, but they're not going to be able to see anyone else. They're not going to be able to go to the store. They're not going to be able to do anything else other than spend time with the people that are also part of this. I think what James is trying (coughs) to say is that it's not a necessity, right? Let's Mm -hmm. not risk anyone's health or the public's health 
for the sake of sports. But the problem is, is that they're going to have to give up their paychecks then. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think they'd do it. I think they would do it. They're going to have to decide between do I want to see my family or do I want to get paid like a professional athlete? I think the public image of like the NBA saying we're going to stop paying players is preposterous. They're not going to say that, but what's going to happen is they're going to have to pay back the billion dollars to the TV companies and then they're just not going to have any money to to pay them. And Mm -hmm. so that's why like the premier league, they're all going to have to take, they're all going to be taking pay cuts. And if they don't have a season, they're going to have to take bigger pay cuts not because the teams don't have money, but because all of the team income is going to go away and they're going to have to mm-hmm. give it all back to their sponsorship people who have in their contracts how many times things are going to happen. And so I think you're going to see a kind of a pinch on sports here where there's a desperation from players and organizations alike to get their product out there, even if it's in a weird way or with no fans or in a really creative place because mm-hmm. – Otherwise, they're all going to be forfeiting money. So you're talking about like how Arsenal finally figured out how to play their, how to pay their players what they're worth. <laughs> yes, and that they're just the first of the teams, though. I mean, docking them fifteen percent. Yeah, I mean they're gonna they're gonna have. Um, I think every team in the league is going to be there sooner than later. Um, no, and and I I kid, but the, I, I I definitely agree that it's it's going to come to a head at some point. If I mean they're. they're a lot of, uh, I mean, NCAA has talked about, like, is there even going to be fall sports? Um, and that would then lead to a domino effect of, like, should the NFL uh, even play? And, you know, with all of these states saying everyone should go back to the way things were. And the vi- and then, you know, you have the experts saying things are going to get worse if you do that. Um, I, I don't know if it's, if it's actually going to happen. So um, mm-hmm. I really hope, like, level heads prevail and they just say like maybe if if they're going to do the safe route of a fanless a skeleton staff of nba playoffs or nhl playoffs or what have you um i'm cool with that uh but at the same time it's like does it does it really need to happen like is it absolutely necessary well it doesn't need to happen if you're in the lebron james versus michael jordan argument because lebron's on his way to another title and possibly mvp and i want to see it okay fair enough i I do too i also want a haircut a professional one but i'm not going to go protest about it um Um, the premier league and the nba are going to be going back to, to training facilities in the next few days it sounds like what do you guys think about this well, they're just, I mean, they're doing it in the states where they're allowing it. Um, you know, I, 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 I was a little surprised that the NBA was the first one to come out and say this um, because they were the ones that early on were like, right away, we're shutting everything down. We have actual players with COVID. Um, and they were really progressive about it. They were like, you know, let's do the right thing here. And now they're like, Oh, well, if some governors are making bad choices, that's on them. We're going to take advantage of it. It's like the lifetime CEO that's like, hey, in those states where we can open our gyms, we're opening them because we need we want money. I just think, though, that like that. I think that the government has to be the people who puts a kibosh on this, because as companies are going to go out of business, you know, what do you expect some of this leadership to say? Yeah. Like 
when they have to decide between like losing all of their employees and their company and it all crumbles and they have to file for bankruptcy or being risky, like you can understand why people would say I'm going to be risky. And mm -hmm. so it's on the government to, to force people to make the right choice and then give them a path back to um, health, you know, as a, as a corporation um, is the only way for this to work. And so mm -hmm. you can see why people are going to make crazy decisions when their only decision is um, what's best for the public or losing everything you have. <laughs> right. Um, the NHL is planning on coming back, uh, starting up in June, which doesn't seem likely and having a July Stanley cup playoffs. Would you guys even watch this? Probably. <laughs> yeah. I, I would never watch the Stanley cup playoffs. Normally I don't care. I would for sure watch this. Agreed. Uh, I think I would too. I can't believe Of course it. you would. You're watching like. ESPN Classic Games from 92. <laughs> you need this. Yeah. Um, so that's some of the plans. I can't imagine a world that the NFL doesn't happen, even if it's a suicide decision. Um, sports are going to be back sooner than later, even if it's not for the better of the public. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see who can do it in the safest way. Can I ask you guys a quick question about the draft itself? Yeah. Does it not make it seem like all of the the hoopla and the you know grandiose stage and all of that stuff? I realize like giving the kids their moment is kind of a big deal, but it also made it seem like the NFL is again just preying off of the images of the youth for money that the whole you know, a uh, big draft spectacle is completely unnecessary when you can, when you can do it a hundred percent remotely. I liked, I kind of liked it to be honest with you. I felt sort mm -hmm. of bad for the players, but as a viewer, I really enjoyed it. Like you felt bad for them because they didn't get like their ESPN interview, but I think that's only concocted by ESPN, right. Sure. Or, or whomever is running the draft. For so sure it, is, it, but it makes it seem like, like, why don't you just do the draft that way every time and save yourselves a boatload of money? Well, they make money on it. Just easier to sell sponsorships, I'm sure. No, I just mean like, as I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm speaking specifically from the fans perspective. Like, do we need all of that? No. Like, right. is, that, is that what we're clamoring for or is that what they're spoon feeding us? And just made it seem like, it doesn't need to be as crazy as they make it with players eventually riding up on a gondola, you know, yeah. uh, just, just, just show us the picks. Like, just give us the picks. That's all we care about. Like who's going to be on our team. I don't care right. about all the other stuff. That's true. Well, I mean, dude, you're seeing that all over the place in every industry in the world. Oh wait, people can work from home just as easily. And now we don't have to pay them, you know, to, to commute. Oh shit. So, yeah, I think we're going to see that stuff all over the place. All right, guys, we're going to end on a happy note. We're going to be rowing the boat the rest of the night as our guy PJ Fleck is cleaning up in uh, online recruiting during uh, quarantine time. He is a masterful recruiter, and he has the Gophers class of 2021 currently ranked the fifth best class in the nation. Hell, yeah. That's crazy. That's all these old-time people who don't like PJ Fleck are, they need to just go away. 
they need to just die as sports fans because this guy is a machine. He has taken an average program that's been stuck in mediocrity or even worse for decades and has put us on the map, is getting us big recruits, is developing players, is getting guys drafted, and we're all the better for it. I mean, this is some amazing stuff. So um, I'm going to go through light speed some of the lower guys, and then I'm going to focus on a couple of the real big ones. But just in recent days, he got a three-star cornerback from Cincinnati, Ohio. He got a three-star defensive end from Texas. Okay? These are just in the last week. Um, He already had a three-star receiver, another three-star receiver, whose brother is a four-star quarterback who we also got. Um, We have uh, another defensive end, three-star guy from Minnesota, a three-star tackle from Minnesota, a three-star tight end um, that we've had for a while. Recently, we got a three-star wide receiver from Georgia. That's in the last two weeks. A three-star outside linebacker in the last two weeks from Ohio. A four-star athlete last week from Illinois. He's a quarterback, um, but he will probably play something else. A four-star guy. One of the best players we've ever gotten in Minnesota. We get very few four-star guys. Um, This month, he got a four-star cornerback from Arizona. uh, The 23rd best cornerback in the nation coming to the Gophers. Um, He signed the four-star uh, 12th best dual threat, meaning running and passing quarterback in the country from Illinois. And in the last two weeks, he just signed one of the two best players the Gophers have ever signed in the history of people paying attention to this shit. Avante Dickerson, uh, cornerback from Omaha, Nebraska. He is the best player in Nebraska and the eighth best cornerback in the entire country. He's a top 100 player in the country. These are not players that come to be Golden Gophers, and he has these guys rowing the boat. Not only that, he has them all committing while quarantined at home. P.J. Fleck is a big freaking deal. I'd give this dude a 20-year contract right now because he's the hardest-working guy in college football, and he is doing things that we haven't seen in Minnesota football in our lifetime. You got me ready to run through a brick wall. Yeah, for sure. And then, like, quick question. Would you, if you had to bet your house on the over-under P.J. Fleck leaving the Gophers at two and a half years, what would you bet? I'd probably bet, if I had to bet my house, I'd probably bet he's still here because... In three years? Yeah, if I had to bet my house, I would bet, yes, he'd be here. I don't feel great about that. But the, what if I made it? What if what if the line was three and a half then? Um, probably. Mm. Not. I I I think I'd still pick for him to be here because I think that the Gophers are going to be a top twenty program, and I just think that the only way he's going to leave now is going to be to go to Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Texas, Notre Dame, maybe USC, um, Ohio State, Michigan. Did you guys see that LSU locker room tour? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Holy shit. This is, I mean, Louisiana is a fucking poor state. Their school is a joke. Go look at this locker room. It looks like, it looks like uh, J.J. Abrams fucking spaceship from Star Trek. (laughs) Well, if you were only good at one thing as a state, you'd really invest in it. Hey, that's true. (laughs) I take it back. I fully support it now. 
Ryan, I'm not saying that Fleck's going to be here forever. And I think that there is a very good chance that he moves on and he leaves the Gophers in a position we've never been in. And that is a great success and something we should celebrate, not be worried about. No, no, no. I completely agree. I, 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 I totally agree with that whole mentality of let's not worry about when he's going to leave. Let's enjoy it while we have it here. I just I'm just curious. I just don't think there are enough jobs that are a big enough step up that are going to like what even like Wisconsin or Iowa, like are those big enough steps up to leave the Gophers right no, now? Definitely not. It would have to be SEC. I think it'd have to be one of those very tip top teams, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, USC, Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio state. And that would also, that would also like the thing that would have to coincide with that would mean that there would have to be like a lull in their program, right? Where they felt like two seasons in a row, they didn't live up to what they felt was Ohio state football or LSU football. And I think none, of the, none of those, none of those seem very likely. I think he's that level of coach. And so I think at some point he's going to get one of those top eight to 10 jobs in the country. But it's just those don't come open that often. Or why don't you just win a few national championships with the Gophers and go down as like the greatest coach in the history of the world? That I mean, that's the thing, right? That that would do it. That's what we're hoping for here. So I think that the the thing is, is that um, you hear about all these jobs opening up. People are like Florida State. It's like, dude, the the Big Ten is a lot bigger than the ACC. Just a thousand percent. Like Florida State's number has run its course. The Big Ten and the SEC are very similar. The SEC is slightly better, um, maybe a little more top-heavy, but the Big Ten and the SEC are very comparable conferences. The Gophers beat the piss out of uh, Auburn. Auburn, yeah. Auburn is one of the top teams in the... We absolutely wrecked them. Yeah, so so to me, like he's already in one of the top conferences, and now it's just how high up can he go in that? Now, I could imagine if... like. Um, Michigan came open. He was already recruited Michigan. He was at what Western Michigan. Western, yeah. Um, I can imagine if Harbaugh left, that PJ Fleck could be a real candidate to go take that job, and that's a place I could see him going. Um, but there just aren't enough jobs that I think that we should worry. But too what much. attachment does would he have to Michigan other than money, which the Gophers would match instantaneously? Just money and prestige. I mean, Michigan is a big freaking program. Yeah, I understand, but like the Gophers would be like, well, okay, whatever they're going to pay you, we'll pay you. Fine. Done. Yeah, I, I'm not saying he would leave. I'm just saying I think it's going to take one of those offers for him. To I go. agree. I think Flex here for a while, and I think we're all better off because of it. So we should be pumped up. We should all have our oars out. Hopefully, they can have a season next year because I'm really excited to see what Flex can do with this program. Um, coming off a season that ended um, in the Big Ten on a little bit of a low note, getting our asses beat by Wisconsin, um, but they will be back and they're going to be freaking good. So. It's fun to watch them recruit the hell out of the country. And it's not just Minnesota kids. It's kids from all over the place. He's the hardest working guy in the, in the game, and it's really showing off here. So, And I think you're you, – like you hit the nail on the head. Like that, that Auburn game where we absolutely destroyed them made a lot of kids take notice, regardless of what any of the local 70-year-old newspaper writers think about P.J. Fleck. The kids yeah. around the country notice – uh, an enthusiastic coach who's player minded, who understands the message to send to them, and they want to come play for a guy like that, regardless of the fact that it's freezing freaking cold here. I think Fleck can compete with anybody who's not one of those tip top five, top five programs. If he gets a chance with a kid, 
he's got as good a chance of anyone. I mean, he's that kind of recruiter. So we should be pumped up. Uh, it's really exciting things that are happening there. And even if we don't have any real sports going on, there's still some fun things that are happening in team building that should make us feel good about this football season coming up. Heck yeah. Amen. All right, guys, that's all the time we have this week on the Nordies podcast. Make sure to go back and check out our first episode this week where we did a Marvel rewatch where we watched Ant-Man. We talked about all kinds of shows you should be watching, things that are on FX, um, Little Fires Everywhere, Outer Banks, Pogue Life. You know, we were excited about a bunch of stuff. And then we did another medal ceremony with the best weapons in movie history. So go back and check out that episode. Uh, But otherwise, stay safe, follow all the rules, tell some friends about the Northeast Podcast, and until next week, thank you guys for listening to the hottest podcast in Northeast Minneapolis, the Northeast Podcast.